was to Matthew 9.16, and I've just given away where we're going to go. So have a look there, and, uh, and I'll pray. Um, thank you, Jesus, that, uh, that you lead us into truth. Holy Spirit, you reveal truth to us. And uh, it's, it's your truth and nothing else that we want to receive this morning. So God, I just pray as I speak that you'd give me your words, not my words, and um, that you change our hearts today, that you communicate what it is that you want to communicate to us today in Jesus' name. All right. So if you've been around over the last month or so, it'd be pretty hard to miss that God is speaking to us a lot about wine and wineskins. I'm quite fond of a wine, so that certainly had my attention. Um, uh, Matt and Elodie were here from Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, and he spoke uh, from the same scriptures that we're going to look at today and uh, challenged us about keeping our wineskins flexible. Uh, We've had a couple of prophetic words in recent times around God saying he wants to do new things in our midst, about opening our hearts to new possibilities or things things that haven't been seen, heard, or experienced before. We're going, hoo, hoo, hoo. There it is. <laughs> Barb led us at our prayer meeting on Wednesday night and she came with the same convictions and scriptures around new wine and new wineskins that God had already spoken to me about for today. Um, also, we often have uh, YouTube on at home in the background with sort of worship from around the place, around the world. And Kate phoned me while I was away uh, last week and said that she'd seen uh, Brooke Fraser stop in the middle of her song, New Wine, at a recent worship conference. And... Um, spoke about this very subject. And the more I started looking and the more I'm digging and, and, and Googling, uh, this is something that God seems to be saying across the kingdom at the moment. It's not just here. So if that's the case, it'd be good for us to pay attention. <laughs> um, God is saying he's going to pour out something new, something that we've never seen before. So with all that in mind, the temptation could be for us to just feel like he's said enough about that and move on with our plan or we could tune in even closer and hone in on what it is that he's saying. I had planned uh, to speak today uh, about the why and the how of Sunday worship and all that, and we'll probably still get to that in a couple of weeks' time. But I think God has really grabbed our attention on this wine and wineskin thing. And I feel like there's more he wants to show us about it, and there's some things he wants to challenge us with. Yay. Is that okay? Now, let's be clear. Uh, This is not me challenging you. This is Jesus challenging us, and as I prepared this, most of all me. And don't we love that? So also, just looking back on the the things that God's been saying in the big picture, we feel like Jesus is continuing to show us what he wants to do. There's a new openness around to the gospel that we haven't seen in this nation um, perhaps ever before. The fields are white for harvest. It's not time to pray for the crop. It's time to send out the workers We had that word last week from someone, um, well, from the Holy Spirit, (laughs) about it being time to set sail, to pull up the anchor, that it's time to go to work. And as we've said before, that the role of the prophetic is to give us a glimpse of what God wants to do and to prepare us to become it. The key message or takeaway of today is that if what the Holy Spirit is saying about thousands coming into the kingdom is true, and we believe that it is, then it's going to be a move that we've never seen or experienced before. Which means that we need to be prepared, flexible and willing to respond in ways that we never have before. There's an old adage uh, being that the definition of insanity is doing the same things and expecting different results. So in this case, if Jesus is going to do something new and bigger than we've ever seen, 
then we're going to have to respond and do things in ways that we've never done them before. We need to make sure that, uh, that when he speaks like this, that we come back to the truth of the word. We're, we're all about being fully word and fully spirit here. We can't do without either of those things. We need them both to be in balance. Um, he'll never contradict his word, but he can shine new revelation on it. So with that in mind, let's go to Matthew 9, 16. This is the scripture we've read many times over the last few weeks. Verse 16. So no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, no, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. So today I want to dig a little bit deeper on the word and the concept of new. Okay, so one of the strengths of other languages, of the original languages that uh, the, the Bible was written in, in this case Greek, um, is that uh, they have these succinct words to express concepts that in English we need these whole sentences to get the gist of. Um, so that can become a challenge in Bible translation because sometimes we can lose the richness of what is being expressed and communicated in the original language. And we've got a good example here in this scripture. As there are, uh, in this, in this uh, wineskin scripture, there are two Greek words which get translated to new uh, in the whole New Testament. So I nerded it up a bit and I got onto Vine's Greek New Testament dictionary. Don't worry, you're not going to go to sleep. And uh, I will just throw these slides up there. If you just throw up the first one. Um, there's a word for new uh, that is kynos. And this is uh, copy and pasted straight from Vines. <laughs> it denotes new of that which is unaccustomed or unused, not new as in time, recent, but new as in form or quality of different nature from what is contrasted as old. Does that make any sense? So we could say new as in unused, innovative, not seen before, fresh or novel. We have got another word, which is neos, which, um, which signifies new in respect of time, that which is recent. It is used of the young and so translated, especially the comparative degree younger. Accordingly, what is neos may be a reproduction of the old in quality or character. That's a little bit more confusing. Um, so to uh, give another example, you know how uh, often in uh, like your home contents insurance policy um, that has this clause that says you get new for old replacement? And we really hope that happens. So that means if someone breaks into your house and knocks off all your stuff, they'll give you a new version of the same thing. This is Neos. It's a younger version of the same thing. Whereas Kynos is like the first time you saw someone with a slinky. Does anyone remember that? <laughs> I'm showing my age now. And you were amazed by something you've never seen before. And this guy's doing this thing with a slinky. You're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. I don't know why I came up with that example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm weird. Uh, new Neos could be the car <laughs> that you purchased because your old one gave up the ghost. Yes, it's new, but at the end of the day, it's still a car, just a newer one. It's a younger version of the same thing. New Kynos would be getting rid of your car and getting around on your hover bike. <laughs> totally new. Never been seen before. And by the way, it's 2019. Where is my hover bike? <laughs> I want my hover bike. Back to the Future lied. <laughs> so just for fun, we can apply this concept to some other scriptures. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new kynos, creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Totally new. Transformed. When you get saved, your old life is gone. It's, it's so gone that in Jesus you are totally new, com- uh, a totally new, completely transformed creation. Unrecognizable compared to the old. Galatians 6.15 um, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new kinos creation. So your outward appearance, obeying the law and observing rituals doesn't matter squat. What's important is that you're born again. You're made totally new in Jesus. Jesus at the Last Supper, Matthew 26, verse 27. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new kainos covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus instituted a totally new covenant, not the old one patched up. It's totally new. And it totally replaces and supersedes the old, rendering it redundant and useless. Hallelujah. So back to the wineskin verse, Matthew 9, 16. What's curious about this verse is that Jesus uses both of the Greek words for new in this scripture. He uses new neos when he's speaking about the wine and new kainos when he's referring to the wineskin. So to substitute a couple of words and read it again, nor do they put neos wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put neos wine into kainos wineskins and both are preserved. The context at the time was Jesus saying that the joy of the new message and the new covenant can't be contained and supported by Jewish legalism. It requires an entirely new kainos way of thinking and understanding. And this is the new wineskin. Jesus came to institute something totally new. It can't be contained by something old, cracked and patched up. Now to bring it forward to today, what I believe he's saying to us here and now is that the the wine is the Holy Spirit and everything he wants to do. That it's a neos or fresh outpouring of the same spirit who's been here since Pentecost. It's a new outpouring. He's the same limitless God and King yesterday, today and forever. That's why the new wine is neos, something new or a younger portion of something existing. The new kainos comes in because what he wants to pour out and do is so much bigger than our current comprehension and wineskins that they can't possibly contain it. We need a kainos moment. For God to do something on a scale that we've never seen, we're going to have to do things in a brand new way. We're going to have to do things in ways that we've never done them before. A kainos way, a way that we've never done them before. Now, God is already doing something here in our midst that many of us haven't witnessed before, and it's stretching. I can say that. Stretching is uncomfortable. It hurts every time I bend over and touch my toes. I've got a bad back at the moment, so is Johan. Stretching is uncomfortable, but he's doing it to prepare us for what is to come. He's speaking to us about new wineskins or renewing our wineskins because he loves us enough and wants to partner with us enough that he's willing to prepare us to contain and pour out the enormity of what he's going to put in us and get through us. He's not just speaking to, I said before, he's saying the wineskin thing around the kingdom. It's not just about this group of people, this church. It's just something he's doing in the entire kingdom. He wants to pour out something new. Now, interestingly, this, um, the wineskin passage is recorded in a few different Gospels, and Luke's account 
um, adds another little detail in verse 39. But from ver Luke 5, uh, verse 37 says, uh, it's a repeat of the previous, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Verse 39, and no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. That's right, isn't it? Old wine is better. Digging into this, in verse 39, Jesus is making just a statement of fact. He's not saying that he agrees that the old is better. He's saying that people think the old is better. He's warning against the tendency in people to hold on to the old, resist change, overvalue the old, or find false security in it. He's saying that old habits die hard, and he knows us so well. The Greek word translated old here is paleos and is used to designate something whose time is past or something which has lost its usefulness or is worn out. The old Jewish system's time had passed. It had lost its usefulness and was being replaced by something better. It was worn out and the new time had come for those who had ears to hear to begin asking for the new. And that's what he's saying to us today. He knows that we are creatures of habit and old habits die hard. He's challenging us that our old habits and structures are going to be utterly useless and defunct when it comes to what he wants to do next. I need to have a drink of water. <coughs> Come on. <laughs> so in saying all that, we're not talking about contradicting or getting away from the pattern of God's word in the way we go about things, okay? God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's the new wine, as is his word. He's pouring, self, pouring himself out again, but he's the same God. And there's no safer place than in obedience to his spirit in conjunction with his word. He has always desired to pour himself out and he has always been pursuing us. But he's so big and infinitely creative in how he desires to reveal himself that we're going to need new or renewed wineskins to embrace the new ways he wants to do it in this season. So the challenges. The big challenge that I think we'll find if we take a good look at some of our ideas and much of the way we expect God to do things, that the detail and the structure of that is rooted in the way we've seen God do things before. We're creatures of habit. We like predictability. We go to the same supermarket because it's easier and we know where everything is, even if it's further away from the new house that we moved to. <laughs> Who's done that? <laughs> Have you ever tried to make a toddler drink the same apple juice from the Paw Patrol cup instead of his favorite PJ Masks cup? Or the orange one instead of the red one? <laughs> now everyone knows that you make a cup of tea by putting the tea bag in the cup first and heating it with the boiling water. Well, apparently, there's a better way, Christy tells me. <laughs> boiling water first, then the tea bag. No. <laughs> apparently, it tastes better, though I've never experienced it. Because do you think I can remember that when I'm, that when I'm making a cup of tea, I should do that? We've seen God do something a certain way before, so of course, that's how he'll do it this time. We all know that. Well, that's what we all think. Maybe that's unfair. 
Or maybe in the past we've stepped out in God and had experiences that haven't gone how we expected. And fear has crept in because our nature screams that we want things to be predictable, controlled and safe. Perhaps our wineskin is a little burned and brittle because of that. Given enough time and that happening enough times, this is how the life of God dies and tradition takes over. This is how a living and loving relationship with Jesus gives way to religion and rules. It's how our living relationship and conversation with Jesus becomes rituals, lists and tick boxes. It's how our dynamic life with the king and creator of the universe somehow gets dull, predictable and boring as if that's possible. So often our responsiveness to God's voice gets filtered through our previous experiences, through what we've seen him do before or how he's done something before. We've moved from a dynamic, ever-evolving relationship with our Creator and King to a series of transactions or a flowchart of cause and effect. Now, as we've said before, as a church, we're not slightly, remotely interested in growth. We're not here to grow this church. We're pursuing life and health. We desire the life of God to be everywhere we look. If there's growth, that's because simply because anything that is alive and healthy grows. So it's clear that God is challenging our wineskins and asking us to take a look at our expectations of what he wants to do and how we assume he wants to do it. If God is going to do a new kinos, uh, do a kinos new thing in our midst, something that doesn't look like anything we've seen before, then the wineskin that it will flow through is also going to have to look totally different. Today he's asking us the question, what are our old wineskins? What are the things he's calling us to lay down to make room for what he's going to do next? What are the things we need to let God change and renew in order to receive the new wine? And Kate mentioned it earlier, but most of you would know that this church has only been here for about 18 months, so we're all new. And uh, in reflecting on this, we're all new and we all arrived here with our bag of stuff. We've got to come in with our duffel bag or our backpack, right? And in that bag, metaphorically speaking, is the stuff that makes up our wineskin. And now Jesus is asking us to open up our bags, have a look in there, and there's every chance he's probably asking us to toss out some stuff. So just to get us thinking, um, so those things could be the way church has been done before could be the way I've been used by God before. Could be the way I've worshipped before. If he's going to do something we've never seen before, we're going to worship in a way we never have before. Could be the way I've evangelised before or I've desired to reach the lost, the process I've used. It's going to happen differently. It could be the way that I've seen God move in the supernatural before. It's things like old mindsets. It's habits that give way to tradition. It's character traits. Um, Brooke Fraser in that clip I mentioned earlier uh, had a poke at our Enneagram or our Myers-Briggs or that's just the way God made me. That's just who I am. It's all that stuff. Are we willing to lay that stuff down? Could be our butts. That's a single T, S. <laughs> <laughs> Statements like this, I agree with all of that, but I know, and I know God is doing a new thing, but what if I look silly? Or I'll follow you, but 
not if it means I'll miss my friends or if I have to give up some comfort. Use me, God, but don't ask me to do that. But I won't do that. <laughs> but what if I get hurt? Well, it could be our ends, the things that we add to what God says. So it could be Jesus, the church, and these six great books on leadership principles. <laughs> or we trust God to... Oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. We trust God to provide for the church and to achieve that, we must have to do a 15-minute offering talk to shake every last cent out of the people because actually they are our source instead of God. Uh-oh. Or Jesus will build his church and we've got this five-year vision and growth strategy to make sure that he does. <laughs> or we rely on biblical patterns and the world's business structures to make sure we keep everything under control and predictable. <laughs> Maybe it's the fact that Jesus is actually the head of the church, not Russ. He's not here, so I can say that. <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> we could go on, there's, there's so many more. So what he's saying to us is what parts of your wineskin need to be renewed? What needs to change? Or not even what needs to change, what do we just need to put down? What do we need to lay down? Just allow the Holy Spirit to press on those nerves. Personally for me on this journey there have been so many things I've had to lay down and I didn't think I had many. A big one for us uh, was that the church will grow slowly and will know everyone and will know about their lives in detail. I've laid that down, that being the ideal or that being how God does it best. Slow and steady wins the race. Carefully in controlled, ordered, predictable, safe. I've also laid down avoiding preaching at all costs. <laughs> Historically speaking, my ducking and weaving to get out of preaching is the stuff of legend. <laughs> I've got all these strategies. Come and talk to me later if you need some. <laughs> He's doing a total reinvention of my willingness just to follow the leading of his spirit and nothing else. I would have liked to have said this was true in the past, but honestly, as often filtered through my own grid of made-up rules and how things should be done. I've still got a long way to go. If you've been around here for a while, you'll know that a key wineskin he's magnifying again, and I want to speak about this again, is the truth of the priesthood of all believers. Everyone is a minister. Everyone sitting here is a minister. And he's also showing us why. Because, life, health, because of life, health and growth, there's no way a little team of leaders could keep up with what God has done, let alone what he wants to do. And neither should they. It was never his design. He needs every one of us ministering and making disciples. It's the only way it can possibly work. It's the way it was always supposed to be. It's not the job of leadership to be the agency through which Christians outsource their discipleship and evangelism responsibilities. Simply, the more there are of us doing the work of making disciples, the more God can do because he can use us all, not the elite few. And that's a challenge for all of us. God is infinitely creative. He's never going to run out of new ideas and strategies. He doesn't need our ideas and our help. He just needs our trust, our obedience, and our yes. Yeah. 
He needs our wineskins ready to receive his ideas and strategies. So if you're feeling a bit beat up, that's okay. <laughs> Here's the beauty in all of this, though. God loves us so much, and he's so gracious. And I know that there are some of us sitting here, and I was as I was preparing, thinking I'm just an old, dry, cracked, rigid wineskin. I'm not sure if I can be totally new. There's some good news. In the passage um, from Matthew 9, as we've said, the word used to describe new wineskins is kynos, meaning new as it relates to form or quality. And depending on the context, it can also mean different, uncommon, renewed, refreshed, or reconditioned. In this case, wineskins can be reconditioned. Your wineskin can be made new again. And Jesus was speaking into the culture around winemaking at the time. In reading this, you could assume that every year when new wine was made, new wineskins or leather bottles had to be produced, and sometimes that was the case. Often, though, at the end of the season, old wineskins were emptied and were kept for the following year. By the time they needed to be used again, they were dry, rigid and brittle. Not much good for containing new wine. So in some ways it might seem like I'm contradicting myself here, but I'm not. Um, old wineskins could be restored or reconditioned. They could be made new again. And there was a process. They were soaked in water for days, then massaged and coated in olive oil, and they were ready to be used again. So in closing the loop of symbolism here, the soaking water is the water of life, water of the life of the Holy Spirit flowing from his throne. And the oil is the oil of his anointing. That's why we come together to worship. It's why we spend time in his presence. We need his water and oil in our wineskins. All we need to do if we're cracked and dry is to come to him in spirit and truth. Come to him honestly. Allow him to surround us with his presence and massage us back into a flexible state. Really let him get his thumbs and elbows in there. Allow him to work out the knots of habits, mindsets, structures and expectations. You know, sometimes massage can be painful at the time. But when the knots are worked out and our muscles are moving again, boy, does it feel good to be flexible and free again. He's bringing all of this to our attention because he wants us to drive our wineskins into his restoring presence. He wants to make you new, so you're ready to be part of this new, never been seen before, incredible outpouring that he has ahead of us. Are we ready? <laughs> no, we're not ready. <laughs> I'm done. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're speaking. Um, we trust you. We trust that you lead us into truth. We know that you do. And God, I just pray that for all of us, that you would do a new work in us, that you would do a work that is ready to contain what it is that you want to pour out, that you get your thumbs and your elbows in there as we position ourselves to let that happen. Come and massage out the kinks and the knots. Just lead us in conviction of knowing the things that you want us to put down, the stuff that we've brought with us, the habits, the mindsets, the structures of how you do things. Just shine your light into those places and just remind us, God, to lay them down at your feet again. 
We give you all the glory and all the honour and all the praise and we trust that it's you that is at work. Less of us, more of you. Change us so you can use us, Lord, we pray. Amen.